Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and special VIP co-hosts. Join in on a great conversation today with one of the world's great influencers as they showcase the latest tricks and techniques that made them the game changers they are today. Now, here's Tony D'Urso and his co-host. Welcome to the Spotlight. I'm your host, Tony D'Urso, and joining me today as my co-host is legendary radio personality, Michael Benner. Hello, Michael. Hey, Tony. Hello. Nice to be with you, man. Oh, the feeling is mutual very much. Thank you so much for joining us, Michael. Such a pleasure to have you on with us today. And you're listening to The Spotlight, where we focus on highlighting Hollywood stars, sports greats, and game changers. If you're a fit, we want your interview on The Spotlight. We broadcast every Friday at 1 p.m., so please set your calendar to hear from the world's elite. And today, we set the stage for The Spotlight to talk about AI driverless cars with Mike Nelson. And AI, of course, is artificial intelligence. What a very interesting subject. Welcome to the Spotlight, Mike. Well, thank you for having me on, Tony. It's so great to have you join us. And I know you're flying around. You're calling from a hotel right now. So I just want to say, really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today about this topic. Happy to. And uh, it's a a fascinating topic. And the more you, you learn about it, the more you want to hear about the details. So I'm sure your audience will find something interesting in this. Well, great. Well, Mike, let's uh, perhaps take it from the beginning. Could you tell us how it all started for you and include some major accomplishments or milestone events along the way? Well, sure. In, in some ways, um, where I am right now is um, at, a, at a crossroads of my career where this has been um, building in many different facets of what I've been doing my entire life. I started off um, in a family that uh, repaired automobiles. And then I went to work for the insurance industry adjusting insurance claims when car accidents would happen. And that led me into um, uh, a role where I thought I'd be better off as a, as a lawyer. Um, so I went to law school and came out of that process and started working immediately on litigation and, ins- and regulation relating to insurance and automobile issues. And then probably around uh, five years ago, it became very um, much a public issue that cars were going to start to be um, enabled to drive themselves. Everybody started seeing the Google car um, as the robot car that would soon be whisking us away without um, a driver. And we haven't realized that yet. But that started the discussion, and you can imagine for a lawyer representing automobile manufacturers and insurers, that that would matter an awful lot. And so as part of what I've been doing is helping those businesses see the disruption, hopefully in a positive light, the disruption that's going to be coming at us as a society as we embrace a new type of mobility where artificial intelligence is actually going to be in the driver's seat as opposed to the human driver. I see. Very interesting. And it's, it, it, since we're talking about AI, there is, of course, many concerns, and I have a lot of questions about these. And just today, what's funny is I had a guest that wanted to come on my show, and so I sent 
a request back saying, great, you know, let's work out it. Let's work this out. And the guest, as with most guests, has a secretary and says, just work out the details with my secretary. I said, okay. So the secretary proactively sends me an email, says, how about, you know, this Friday? Well, and I said, I send back, well, thanks, but no, but I already have a show going, but it'll be a couple of weeks. Could I please have, you know, this info sheet on the, on the, on the guest? The secretary immediately e- emails me back saying, well, how about this date in two weeks from now or with these options? And I go, no, I need this info sheet. And it's going back and forth. And it's like, I'm looking at the signature and it says AI something secretary. And I go, oh my goodness, I fell for it. I'm dealing with secretary artificial intelligence. And, you know, that's fine. It was no big deal. But when it comes to cars, and there's so many questions about this, but the biggest concern is that the car will actually recognize what you're saying, recognize the wall, recognize a chain link fence or something, you know, because it, it has open gaps and it may not be easily recognizable. There's just so much concern about this. I just thought I would mention that. And perhaps if you wanted to comment on that now, I'm welcome to. And then we could break, open up into some questions. Well, Tony, about a, a year ago, I was in California at a conference, and uh, I, I sometimes I'm living in New York, and I, my office is in New York City, and I decided to um, uh, buy a Tesla and drive it from California and um, drive it cross-country, um, having never driven um, that car before or used that kind of technology before, and drive it to New York City over the course of a weekend. And... I was amazed at what the car could do. I mean, it heard a lot about what the capabilities, you know, that came accompanying this uh, technology. But to really drive it, an experience was interesting. But to the point of what a car recognizes, I get to the Lincoln Tunnel that goes from New Jersey to New York City. And the graphic that had been showing me a highway and would show me cars and trucks in front of me on a roadway quickly switched to showing me my car in the Lincoln Tunnel following another car. I mean, the fact that it was recognizing it was in a tunnel, for some reason, just struck me as, as funny. Um, so you, you really do get a sense of how much this technology is changing the dynamic of how we see things and how the technology is seeing things. Um, but there are still limitations to this. We're still nowhere near a driverless car, but we're getting closer every day. Very interesting point there you make on the recognition of the tunnel. And yes, I wanted to ask you about that trip. Was there any perhaps memorable moments on the car where where you thought, gosh, this is incredible. I could see this taking over? Absolutely. I was probably four or five hours into the trip, and we were starting to get into the Rocky Mountains. And uh, a truck decided for whatever reason that the extreme right-hand lane, which is the slow truck lane, was too slow. There was some truck in front of that truck that was um, just crawling. So uh, a truck that was much bigger than my car um, immediately pulled into the middle lane directly in front of me, and I went from 80 miles an hour to 19 miles an hour. It was the kind of thing that you would normally panic as a driver. I saw it happening, and I thought, let me see what the car does. And the reason why I know it, the truck in front of me was going 19 miles an hour is because my car slowed down immediately to 19 miles an hour. 
I had to have a little bit of confidence in the car to do that. And I thought, well, I better figure out if it does work you know, the way it's supposed to. It did. Um, so that was some, one of the first memorable moments. Uh, the next one happened probably the next day. Um, for anybody who's traveled across country, if you're coming through um, Nevada, it's relatively flat. And I'm on uh, Route 70, uh, about to head into the real aspect of the Rocky Mountains. And um, there's this really small segment of Route 70 that goes through Arizona, northwest Arizona. And I went from driving a car that I was now relatively comfortable with. It was probably six or seven hours into the journey. It's driving down the road in a relatively hands-free environment. You have to keep your hand on the wheel, but you're really not driving the car uh, as much as you're just holding on to it. And what was a very um, common road surface, you know, two lanes, um, easily traveling in the 75 to 80 mile an hour range, quickly became a mountain pass with switchbacks. And it, I, I, it was in that same situation of, let me see what the car can do. So it handled a very dramatic turn um, easily. And that was just fine. But then all of a sudden it was switchback after switchback going through this mountain pass. Um, dramatic curves, dramatic inclines and declines. And I thought, well, okay, I'm still too new at uh, letting this car drive itself. I'm going to take over. But that was, um, that was memorable because all of a sudden I had become a little bit too reliant on the technology. It probably would have worked just fine if I let it go, but it was outside my comfort zone. So I definitely had um, that, uh, that sensation. Maybe the last one that's worth talking about um, is... Uh, in the middle of the trip, for whatever reason, the system that Tesla operates on went down for about six months, uh, six hours. And I thought to myself, oh, my God, I don't know how to operate this car. Came to find out that the system went down. So there's still technological glitches that everybody has to work through. Oh, my goodness, Mike. When you say the system went down, this is the system in the car or the transference of data or technology to, to some hub or something? Yeah, it, and, and that's a great point. It, it, the car was still operating just fine. Um, and, you know, now that I've learned a lot more about the technology, I understand why. But the car actually has its own internet connection. And what it lost was the ability to hit um, the ent entertainment systems and the graphics that show um, the GPS location. So the car was operating just fine. The reason for that is the car really doesn't need to be connected to the outside world. The car can sense where it is with its cameras and sensing devices, but it lost its connectivity to the Internet. I see. I see. Quite something. Michael, would you like to comment on that or ask us something? Yeah, uh, this is amazing stuff to me. I think it's uh, Edmund Hillary that gets credit for having said when somebody asked him why he climbs mountains, he said, because they're there. And so let me downshift to really simple with you, Mike. Why do I want an artificial intelligence car? Why, why do I want a driverless car? So, again, we're not at the stage yet of a driverless car. We probably won't be there for a few more years. But um, let me put it to you in some numbers that are pretty dramatic. Every year um, in the United States, we lose about between 30 and 35,000 lives in car accidents. 94% of those accidents 
are related to human error. And the number is increasing dramatically. So um, this technology does promise to bring us a much safer roadway, safer for you as an occupant of the car and a driver of the car, and safer for you as somebody who's driving alongside that kind of car. Um, as, as you're in bumper-to-bumper traffic, uh, I, I don't know about you folks, but I tend to get a little bit frustrated thinking, how, how long is the traffic going to be in place? Um, how do I maintain the speed at just the right pace so nobody else is interfering and jumping into my lane? Um, when you're in these kind of cars, you can simply shift it into autopilot, even at a very low speed, and it will maintain a safe driving distance from the car in front of you without you touching the brake or the gas pedal. Um, it takes a lot of aggravation out of the car, but it also takes away the anxiety of, oh, my God, if I, I, I can sort of not pay attention in a traffic situation because things have slowed down dramatically, but at the same point, I'm anxious that I might rear-end somebody in front of me. Um, it eliminates that part of it. So on a larger scale, these cars are, I think, safer, um, and promise to be much, much safer. Um, but in the short term, it does also help take some of the minute-by-minute energy away from having to operate the car. This is The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and legendary radio personality Michael Benner joining me as co-host. Just ahead, we continue the chat about AI driverless cars with Mike Nelson, who talks about its challenges, industries affected, and other hot topic questions. Also coming up, stay tuned for Brian E. Neal, acrobat and film star, who makes a cameo with a great TKO tip of the week. Good advice for you. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Is it true that a majority of new businesses fail? Check this out. In order to have a successful growing business, there are some vital points that you must know. You must have worked them out thoroughly. They must be synchronized with each other and all employees, consultants, and companies that you depend on must know these items and be in agreement with them if your new business is to meet with a high percentage of success. Get it free. The Vision Map, Beat the Odds for Business Success at TonyDURSO.com slash vision. Learn how to establish your vision, purpose, long-term objective, and master plan, including strategic and tactical planning. Get the Vision Map, Beat the Odds for Business Success at TonyDURSO.com slash vision, V-I-S-I-O-N. Are you the right fit? We're looking for a few good sponsors that are the right fit for our world-class brand. The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Does your brand fit in with an audience that likes our interviews with Hollywood stars, sports greats, business experts, game changers, best-selling authors, world-renowned VIPs? If so, please apply and let's see how we can promote your brand to the best audience to help you grow. Email me, Tony, 
at TonyDierso.com. That's Tony at TonyDierso.com. And let's see how we can help each other. Thank you for letting us contribute to your success. The Dream Business Community wants to help you with your career and business. Are you ready for accelerated success? Check it out. The Dream Business Community at TonyDurso.com slash community. You're listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and a special VIP co-host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now, back to The Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on The Spotlight with legendary radio personality Michael Benner as co-host. Today's show is about AI driverless cars with Mike Nelson. All right, and now back to the chat with Mike. And, and Tony, if I can have a follow-up with Mike, um, is this go beyond commercial delivery vehicles and Uber and Lyft and taxis and buses? And well, do you see the market developing in such a way that uh, private individuals and families will have driverless cars? Well, yes, to both personal and commercial traffic. Um, and there's there's a lot of lot of potential gains. There's also potential losers on the on the personal vehicle part of it. There is, and again, we're years away from this, but the concept is that we will be uh, in a situation where we won't be operating the car, or at least operate not operating it uh, a heck of a lot. Most times, we'll be in a hands-free situation. That does change, you know, obviously a lot of the driving dynamics. So yes, on personal cars and in the commercial um, um, transportation area, that is already starting to happen. There are trucks that are now delivering goods in different states where it's licensed to do so, where the driver is for the most part hands-free. And as commercial transportation continues to emerge, we'll see things like what's called truck trains, where there'll be one driver in the lead truck and will be followed by nine tractor trailers, not just the trailers, but the truck itself too, drafting very tightly on that truck in front. So one driver will in essence be operating 10 trucks. And you can imagine the efficiencies that'll be gained with that, the cost of transportation go down dramatically, but of course it could disrupt a lot of occupations. That was a great question. And, uh, and it begs to me when you say driverless trucks now, I'm thinking, what are all these industries that are going to be affected? Because we're we're talking in a few years, a potential change. Of course, it'll be gradual, but in a few years, potentially and virtually all vehicles on the road. This can change all industries that we know today. It, it just just like the internet changed business today. We're talking about now getting into a bigger topic like artificial intelligence in general. And there's some wonderful work on the real upsides that artificial intelligence is going to bring to our society and the world at large. Uh, Accenture put out a a wonderful piece of work that shows that while gross domestic product um, should be increasing somewhere around 2% over the next, you know, 15 years, in the 12 countries that they've looked at, including the U.S., there's probably about a 5% bump in the gross domestic product 
um, due to advances in artificial intelligence. This, these technologies will disrupt a lot of occupations. There's a lot written about how um, some occupations will no longer exist. We don't have to look too far into our history to see that's happened time and time again. So there will definitely be winners and losers, and I think it's going to be very important that as people in our society look forward, that they think about these concepts as they think about careers and where they're going to live and, and what life's going to be like and being able to adapt to it in a positive way. On balance, it will be well. It'll be great. It will have less car accidents, for instance. But it will dramatically reduce the number of people going to emergency rooms and will impact the number of people we'll need in the medical field. Um, so there's going to be a lot of rippling in these, um, in these scenarios. That's a good point on the rippling, just as we didn't necessarily see the ripples with other advancements in technology. We can only guess, but we are going down that road quite a bit. Michael, would you like to comment on that or say something? Yeah, um, I understand, you know, um, this is like what happened to carriage manufacturers and buggy whip makers and, and blacksmiths and, you know, the typewriter repair people. And this is the way of technology. But I'm thinking, Mike, about um, the failure of our school system, particularly public schools, to educate people for a post-industrial society. People are not going to be able to make a job, uh, make a living doing a job as a laborer. You can't just show up at a factory and be trained. You need to have some sort of skill and uh, public school system is not even, you know, staying even, much less leading the way on this. It seems to me that um, it's not just a matter of people losing their jobs, but the impact on uh, prisons. I mean, what's going to happen to crime when nobody has it? I, won't, I don't want to overstate this. It's not that nobody will have a job, but as unemployment skyrockets, crime will go up, um, unrest will go up. We have a real challenge, it seems to me, in terms of education and alerting people uh, to prepare for this revolution, this new, where are we going from industrial to computer age? What's the next stage? What would you call this, Mike? Well, there's no question that we're entering into a new new phase of um, um, efficiencies, and a lot of people are calling it the artificial intelligence phase. Um, and all the concerns you're expressing about education and about the social fabric, um, being able to keep up with this, are definitely part of the conversation uh, for the people that see this coming. For instance, uh, uh, some folks have suggested that we, um, and this is going to be uh, hard to swallow for some people, but a concept of a guarantee earning, even if you're not employed, uh, to provide room for this technology or this kind of lifestyle to emerge. But I think one also has to balance that out with, we're going to be able to educate people a heck of a lot easier with this artificial intelligence. Um, we're going to be able to reach out to more um, diverse populations. Um, we won't have quite as many language barriers. Um, the rural versus urban 
Um, um, problems we have right now, we're having a little bit more of a difficult time educating the rural populations as opposed to the urban populations. Um, that that is, you know, this promise to change that dramatically because we can get learning and information to those populations in an easier way. Um, medicine, um, advances in medicine are going to be uh, dramatic. The ability to diagnose um, disease is going to be changed dramatically um, with artificial intelligence. It already is. Uh, the, the ability to treat um, people in, in distant regions that don't have access to medicine, um, it's going to be, we're going to be able to do a lot more of that um, digitally. So there are some real pros to this, but there are definitely some cons and some things we need to worry about. The, the big thing, I think, is we need to get this discussion going and to make sure we um, balance it out so that while there's a potential for some people to have their lives disrupted, there's a potential to really advance our society and the lives of many if we manage this disruption properly. And Tony, if I can follow up on that real quick. Uh, One of my favorite Renaissance men, the late Buckminster Fuller, uh, was fond of saying, we have all the right technology for all the wrong reasons. It seems to me that there has to be, besides the bottom line and the profit motive in business, and the way that ideally dovetails with liberty and freedom and such, uh, another top line, why are we doing this? I, I hear what you're saying about it's safer on the roads and more fuel efficient and um cost-efficient in other ways and some of these benefits. But when we talk about uh, improving the quality of people's lives, it's got to go beyond simple profit and bottom line, don't you think? Well, if, if that question is presented to me, yes, absolutely. And uh, I, uh, I think back to um, the period of time you were referring to with um, horses and buggies. I mean, I, I think if we had said uh, 120 years ago, um, you know, this, this uh, internal combustion engine, you know, does have some promises, but boy, it's going to really wreck the hometown feel. Um, think of where we would be if we had outlawed those kinds of contraptions, if we could have. Um, so I, I, I think it's almost impossible to stop technology. I think you have to apply it appropriately. Probably one thing that's good to think about as, as we talk about these concepts, this, this, these technological advances are not just happening in the United States, they're happening elsewhere. And in some ways, there's a global pressure to be competitive with these technologies. So while there's certainly advances taking place in the United States because people want to see advancements made and they want to see their businesses flourish and they want to be the ones that put the new greatest idea out there, um, there are also um, other companies and other governments that are pushing these technologies at a very rapid pace. And if the U.S. doesn't stay in step or ahead, um, could be a loser, could be swamped by other countries and other businesses that operate outside the United States by advancing these technologies, not just in the automotive field, but in general. And um, we're, not, we're, we're simply buyers as opposed to producers. 
This is the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and legendary radio personality Michael Benner as co-host. Just ahead, we're going to find out more about Mike and his knowledge and experience with artificial intelligence and driverless cars. Also coming up, stay tuned for Brian E. Neal, acrobat and film star, who makes a cameo with the TKO Tip of the Week and gives some great advice for you. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Are you the right fit? We're looking for a few good sponsors that are the right fit for our world-class brand. The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Does your brand fit in with an audience that likes our interviews with Hollywood stars, sports greats, business experts, game changers, best-selling authors, world-renowned VIPs? If so, please apply and let's see how we can promote your brand to the best audience to help you grow. Email me, Tony at TonyDierso.com. That's Tony at TonyDierso.com. And let's see how we can help each other. Thank you for letting us contribute to your success. Hey, get in on the biggest thing in energy and earn additional income. Create financial freedom for decades to come. Learn more at TonyDierso.com slash P-O-W-U-R. That's TonyDierso.com slash P-O-W-U-R. Get the Revenue Chap mobile app for your Android or iPhone. It's free. Download from your cell phone or smart device at TonyDurso.com slash mobile. You're listening to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and a special VIP co-host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now back to the Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on the Spotlight with legendary radio personality Michael Benner as co-host. Today's show is about AI driverless cars with Mike Nelson. He's going to give us some inside info on his motivation, what he's working on, and some great advice in just a moment. All right, and now back to the chat with Mike. I'm I'm no Luddite. I love high-tech stuff and... (laughs) I, I understand the the arc of history is going to move forward. You're not going to shut this stuff down. I'm just talking about a reassessment of our values, sort of. Uh, in some ways, I'm coming full circle again to why. And I hear what you say about safety and efficiency, but I think it's exciting that we reassess what our lives are about and and why we're here. This could be... In fact, I hear you saying this is a doorway to peace and prosperity for the world, that um, we can move from a world of haves and have-nots to a world of abundance and prosperity, sort of like, uh, you know, the science fiction vision of no money. Everybody just, technology allows us to have everything that we need and we don't have to exploit people. There's no artificial shortage. And so I'm totally on board with the idea, but I just think we, we need to go beyond, it would seem to me, the technology itself to 
the human values and the social values that uh, that you're hinting at here. I, well, actually, more than hinting, uh, addressing directly. Well, and, and to your point, and I think this is a point. This is not the point I'm making, but I hear others making extremely well. This will hopefully level out the playing field, where you know, obviously the folks that have the knowledge, uh, information is is. Um, the thing that is the ultimate um, income generator. Well, information is where it used to be in libraries and in very rare places where books were, were written and, and then held. Um, information on the Internet is going to be available to everybody and with artificial intelligence will be that much more available to people in the most far-flung free regions of this world um, to the, uh, and much more available to people of um, lesser means. Um, I've, I've heard some people talk about um, the fact that artificial intelligence will eliminate expertise in some ways. And that's a scary thought, I think. But at the same point, boy, isn't it wonderful if everybody had the same level of information and the ability to access the same level of understanding? It does pose a lot of um, great scenarios. There's always this concern that who's going to control this information? And there's, you know, this concern that you hear all the time when people talk about the stuff of the dark side of this. Uh, I'm, I'm an optimist about this. I, I, I think there will always be people that try to take advantage of these situations. But um, um, I think we have to be careful about them. And uh, I'm not sure how we're going to do this as a society because I don't think we have the rules for that yet. Those are all great points, and that's going to all suss out as we go along. But one thing that's come to mind during this talk, which harks back to a movie I saw some years ago, probably seven, eight years ago, called Unstoppable with, let's see, Denzel Washington and I believe Chris Pine. Great movie, Train 777. I think part of it was based on a true story where this train just wound up going on its own. The, the driver of the train, the conductor, had stepped out to flip a switch and he lost a train. So that brings the question of accidents and liabilities. How would that be assessed in an event? Is there, has that been approached for these driverless cars that we have now? And what's the future hold on that, please? When, and this is where you start to get back into some of the areas of expertise I have. Um, when people ask this question, I ultimately have to just turn back and say, well, what caused the accident? And we have, we have negligence laws and product liability laws in the United States that are perfectly appropriate for dealing with this. Um, what caused the incident? That's the harder part. It's not who's at fault because we can deal with that it will be hard to determine how things happened. And that does get back to more of a technical issue of well, how are we going to be able to read where um, computer programs failed as opposed to looking at breaks that failed? How are we going to decide whether or not it was designed wrong in the first place or someone tampered with the system? So... That part of it, the, the, the assessing of what went wrong, will be harder. But we have laws in place to decide, okay, now that we know what happened, 
who bears responsibility. I got you. Thanks for answering that. Very, very interesting. And I can see how that could play out as we go along and as it, it develops. Is the, Do you think that the federal government is going to have to get involved to actually set rules and regulations and determine what private sector can do or not do with this technology? Well, we have a very interesting um, um, way to govern uh, in our country. And the federal government has a role. But um, as I look at these issues, I see a limitation on the federal government to do everything. One, the, the, the states do have certain rights to create certain rules. Uh, the federal government has shown um, uh, an interest in controlling some of the discussions, such as how vehicles are deemed to be safe enough. That's definitely going to be the federal government's play here. But rules such as how fast we travel on certain roads and what the negligence laws are in a given community, those are going to be left to the state. I doubt the federal government's going to get involved there. In some ways, we're talking about rewriting the rules of the road. It's going to be a very expensive proposition to rewrite the rules of the road. And I think the federal government's going to look to the local governments to actually play a bigger role in deciding how um, drivers' conduct is conducted on these um, roadways in the future. The cars themselves, as far as how they're built and how they're, and are they safe enough, that will be the federal government's oversight. Makes good sense. Makes good sense. Michael, do you have something on that, please? Well, I'll tell you what I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about Dave saying, open the pod bay doors, Hal. And Hal has, <laughs> you know, Hal has his own agenda. I'm sorry, Dave. I can't do that for you, buddy. And a little while ago, I said, let's downshift to stupid. So let me upshift to really advanced, if you don't mind, Mike. Um, a lot has also been written about uh, an area that science has just really begun to scratch the surface in researching, and that's the nature of consciousness and awareness. And if artificial intelligence includes machines becoming self-aware, then they will indeed have their own agenda. Is it too soon to start to think about that? It's, it's not too soon to think about it, and it's already starting to happen. There um, is a robot that's nicknamed Pepper, um, and Pepper, uh, according to its makers, um, has the ability to reason, to plan, has memory, not like we think of as capacity in our computers, but actual memory, and it has uh, the ability to perceive. Um, so um, we're, we're already there. We're getting to a spot in the development of technology that people refer to as singularity, which is when a computer can outthink a human being. Um, yeah, I think we do need to start planning for that because I do think that could fall into the hands of the wrong people. And it's the, the folks that are working on this have already started to develop thoughts on how to control that. Um, but unfortunately, that's going to be in the hands of just a few that can really operate at that level. Wasn't it Robert Heinlein that I'm sort of rusty on this stuff, but it was years ago, Robert Heinlein wrote some rules for robotics. And because one of the prime directives was a robot can never 
cause harm to its human uh, owner, shall we say, or caregiver. <laughs> Not sure what you'd call it, but um, this whole idea of consciousness, most people are not aware of awareness in themselves. People are not very self-aware or aware of what awareness is. We think we're our thoughts rather than our awareness of them. Few people know they have more choices than are apparent. They're reflexive in their behavior. And I'm just wondering if machines are going to have to evolve through that same reactive, reflexive, uh, undeveloped level of consciousness before they develop values and ethics. And, and, and it, again, it seems to me that it begs the whole question of who's making the machine and uh, how trustworthy are they? How, what's the potential for maliciousness, for profit, for... There's so much corruption. I mean, name one institution that is not corrupted. So... Why should we not be suspicious? Those are great we, we, points. And it also talks, we also, what about security? And you're trusting everything to this machine as well. You know, you may know what your AI does in your car, in your home, and your computer. But now there's other AIs doing other things. And it's just, it's just the whole dynamics in the playing field. It's like seeing ahead 10 years in the future what the internet would do. I don't quite know everything that's going to happen on that. Mike would love to have some of your take on some of these points. This is the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and legendary radio personality Michael Benner as co-host. Just ahead, Mike Nelson shares more insights about the future with artificial intelligence and driverless cars. Also coming up, Brian E. Neal, acrobat and film star. He makes a cameo with the TKO Tip of the Week and give some great advice for you. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Is it true that a majority of new businesses fail? Check this out. In order to have a successful growing business, there are some vital points that you must know. You must have worked them out thoroughly. They must be synchronized with each other and all employees, consultants, and companies that you depend on must know these items and be in agreement with them if your new business is to meet with a high percentage of success. Get it free. The Vision Map. Beat the odds for business success at TonyDurso.com slash Vision. Learn how to establish your vision, purpose, long-term objective, and master plan, including strategic and tactical planning. Get the vision map. Beat the odds for business success at TonyDurso.com slash vision. V-I-S-I-O-N. Hey, get in on the biggest thing in energy and earn additional income. Create financial freedom for decades to come. Learn more at TonyDierso.com slash P-O-W-U-R. That's TonyDierso.com slash P-O-W-U-R. 
Get the Revenue Chap mobile app for your Android or iPhone. It's free. Download from your cell phone or smart device at tonydurso.com slash mobile. Are you the right fit? We're looking for a few good sponsors that are the right fit for our world-class brand. The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. Does your brand fit in with an audience that likes our interviews with Hollywood stars, sports greats, business experts, game changers, best-selling authors, world-renowned VIPs? If so, please apply and let's see how we can promote your brand to the best audience to help you grow. Email me, Tony at TonyDierso.com. That's Tony at TonyDierso.com. And let's see how we can help each other. Thank you for letting us contribute to your success. Get the Revenue Chap mobile app for your Android or iPhone. It's free. Download from your cell phone or smart device at TonyDurso.com slash mobile. The Dream Business community wants to help you with your career and business. Are you ready for accelerated success? Check it out. The Dream Business community at TonyDurso.com slash community. Listening to the Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and a special VIP co-host. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDurso.com. Now back to the Spotlight. All right, we're back with Tony D'Urso on the Spotlight with legendary radio personality Michael Benner as co-host. Today's show is with Mike Nelson sharing information about artificial intelligence and driverless cars. And shortly, Brian E. Neal, acrobat and film star, makes a cameo with the TKO tip of the week and gives some great advice as well. All right, back to the chat with Mike. Yeah, I, I think we need to be um, very skeptical um, in a healthy way. I don't think we should let that blunt the, the positive gains here. But um, I was taking, I was reading an article this week um, about a province in China where they're using facial recognition as a security measure. But um, the concern is, and it seems like a well-founded concern, that they're using this to control the activities of the population as well. So um, facial recognition software has gained traction dramatically in the last couple of years. Um, but we are getting into the realm of Big Brother when we start to think about if a government knows where we are all the time, how far are we away from it either asserting control or having a concern that we are subject to that oversight all the time where it starts to affect how we act. And I am worried about that, um, that factor here. I don't see too much worry from one point of view, and I don't mean to be myopic on it or blinded by it. If I walk around the street and go to the store or drive around, what would I care that somebody knows that? Because it, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If it, whoever, let's say, is spying on your whereabouts, well, they are also being monitored as well. So isn't isn't that... A, kind of evenish in a way for the playing field, Mike? Well, I, I, 
I think some of the concern that was in this article, uh, again, not to pick on China, but the concern was some folks um, are worried about their freedom to worship their religion in a state where religious freedom is not guaranteed um, with the idea that government can see them walking into a church. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm concerned about that. But at the same point, I, I completely agree. I think if people knew they were being watched, are they less likely to be bullies on a sidewalk? Are we going to be able to control aberrant behavior better? Sure. This gets back to that age-old question that I think Michael was getting to. And that is, are, are we better off with a higher level of technology if it can be used for the wrong purposes? Good point. Michael? Well, again, I, this whole idea is exciting to me, and I, I don't think there are solutions available, uh, it seems to me anyway, in terms of trying to repress anything here or hold back the inevitable progress of technology. It's more a matter of directing or guiding the forward movement into a life-affirming, creative, productive, um, loving, kind uh, values, you know. Um, and one of the major values, I think, that humanity is struggling with now is this uh, concept of unity versus divisiveness or diversity versus divisiveness that just because somebody is different doesn't mean they're other than and that we can find a middle way of harmony where we honor diversity and uniqueness in individuals and still manage to recognize the mutual benefit of getting along and I, not to get too far afield, but I think the environment, the ecology is a great example of the way diversity and unity are in balance. You, <laughs> you get this incredible unified strength from the environment, yet it depends upon diversity. And, and I, I think when it comes to technology or human values or whatever whatever jar we put this into, um, we might want to consider that that balance again. That it's not an either or, but a, a harmonious blend of honoring that uh, we're one planet, one people, and yet celebrate the fact that everybody's different. That you're unique, just like everybody else. <laughs> Good points. Very good points. Thank you for well, that. Not a question, I guess. I wanted it to be a question, but. Well, you made a great uh, soliloquy there. Good comments and good point on this to encapsulate some of this. Very cool. Uh, Mike, before we go, not, we're, we've got a few more minutes, but I want to make sure one thing that we do is if there's any contact information that you'd like, in case someone wants to get a hold of you, we are going to have some of your information in the show notes. But if there's anything else you'd like to say about that, I want to make sure we get that while we still have a few minutes left in our program. Sure. Well, for anybody who wants to reach out to me, um, my uh, work email address is Mike Nelson at Evershed, E V E R S H E D S, hyphen Sutherland, 
S-U-T-H-E-R-L-A-N-D.com. Okay, very good. And we'll have some of your other information in the show notes as well as social media handles. And we have a few more minutes, but one thing I want to make sure we also take care of, it's time for the TKO Tip of the Week. This week's TKO Tip is presented by Cloris Kylie, founder of the Lead Generation Academy and Client Attraction Bootcamp. Here it is. Hello, Spotlight audience. This is Brian Neal, stunt double of the upcoming feature film Captive State with John Goodman. And today's TKO Tip of the Week is Be Different. Use what makes you, you, to set yourself apart from all of the rest. Everyone can always do the same thing, but it takes a lot to be different. Stand out, make that change, use your unique capabilities, and succeed. There's nothing wrong with being different. Sometimes being different is the right ticket for you to succeed. Once again, this is Brian Neal. Thanks for listening to The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso. All right, very interesting. Leverage an idea by connecting with influencers who have your ideal audience, and that helps build instant authority to get you the right clients. Very similar to uh, another TKO, not similar, but builds on another TKO we had earlier. It's very smart to tip to reach your target audience in a very fast manner. There's several ways to do that, and this TKO tip is really good in to research who's speaking with your ideal audience right now, figure out how to get a hold of that person, and you have much more ready access to your target audience that way, and you can speed up with your business and so forth quite a lot better by having that authority connection there. Many easy ways to do that, and Cloris can help you figure that out if you wish. You'll find out more about her in the show notes. And to our Spotlight audience, I hope you enjoy our TKO Tips of the Week and that they help you with your career or business. Let me know if you like these or if there's anything else you would like spotlighted. All right, and this again, we are uh, having such a great interview and commentary on AI driverless cars with Mike Nelson. We have a few more minutes here. So let's open up the floor now and see, is there anything in summary or in closing, perhaps, Mike, you'd like to, to leave with us on this? Yeah, I, I, I think the most important part of um, artificial intelligence in general and, and with respect to transportation is that we really find a way to embrace them, these concepts as opposed to um, run away because we don't understand them. It's going to be harder to understand this technology, it's going to be harder to trust the people that are putting this technology into the field because we can't see it quite as well. What we do have to recognize is that artificial intelligence is seeping into our lives like a um, clear and odorless gas. We can't see it. It's just happening in micro bits. And so change is going to happen to us whether we like it or not. So we have to learn how to embrace it. And we have to be more vigilant about figuring out where it is and what it's doing. Very cool. Thank you, Mike. Any close, Michael? Excuse me. Any closing comment on that? Well, I have one more question for Mike. Um, and again, I, I personally support what you're saying. I don't want to uh, come off as somebody. Who, well, like I said before, I'm not a luddite. I love technology. I love my high tech toys. Um, 
but I am somewhat concerned about the social and personal impact they have on people. And I think we've done a pretty good job of touching on all of that stuff. But one final thought, Mike, what if we move into, before we know it, this era of uh, artificial intelligence and driverless cars, and I want to take my car for a spin, or I want to jump on my motorcycle and carve a canyon or two, will I still be able to do that? Well, I, I, I think the motorcycle is a fantastic point because there are some people that have suggested that there will be certain areas of our, our highway system, our roadway system, where the non-artificial intelligent vehicle won't be allowed, that some even have suggested that um, cars, antique cars be driven in car parks, um, like you would walk your dog in a dog park. Uh, I think to the uh, 9 million or so motorcyclists in the United States, um, I, I don't think there's any real threat to your being able to carve up a canyon. Uh, nobody's talking about making artificial intelligent motorcycles right now. I don't see the autonomous motorcycle at any point in the future. So I think our society is going to have to adapt to the point that some people are going to want to ride and they're going to have to have that freedom to do so. So while it might be helpful to have cars that are purely run by robots and, and a transportation system that doesn't have the human factor, we're never going to be without the human factor. So um, we're going to have to make sure we allow for your freedom of expression or your freedom to ride. Uh, the guys over at Harley-Davidson are happy to hear you say that, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let me thank you personally for a chance to talk to you about this, Mike. I think, uh, wow, what a fascinating topic, and you do a great job presenting it. And uh, Thanks for being on Tony's show today. Tony, thank you, too, for letting me participate, and, uh, and good luck to you in, in uh, bringing this to the awareness of uh, Americans everywhere. Well, thank you, Mike Nelson, on talking about AI driverless cars. Definitely broadened the horizons here. Great insights. Really loved it. Very provocative communication. Love to talk more about this. And Michael, you are exemplary as a co-host. Love having you on with us, and I hope we can do it again on the spotlight. Mike? Thank you very much for having me. I really enjoyed the conversation. Our pleasure, our greatest pleasure. I hope we can do this again. By the way, if there's ever any, up, let's call it update or significant update or change in the industry, please reach out. I'd love to have you back on again, and we'll discuss it. Very good. Thanks for having me. All right. And to our Spotlight audience, thanks again. It's our honor to have you listen. All right, everyone. Keep your focus on success, and we'll see you next on The Spotlight. We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of The Spotlight with Tony D'Urso and his special VIP co-host. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Now, enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the weekend.